Welcome to another episode of IDK Sports Podcast. My name is Anthony. This is my main man, Kenny. And this is your premier sports podcast talking sports with the average guys. Mm-hmm. A little info before we get started. Don't forget, you can follow us anywhere you get your podcast at. Or if you're watching this, you can, you know, minimize the screen. Because I know we're some pretty good looking guys. But minimize the screen. Hit the like button and the subscribe button. And you'll see every time that we drop. And you can also follow us on Instagram at IDK Sports Pod 23. Yep. Me and Anthony E. Great. Or my man Kenny at Finesse in the Grand. Mm-hmm. All right? So all you got to do is what, Kenny? Hit the damn button. Get in with it. Hit the button. You know what I'm saying? So this week's episode, you know, wanted to go, couldn't go all of February without talking about black history. Black history in sports, which is very prominent, prominent, very um, story. Yep. Great traditions um, from HBCU football to professional sports to changing the game. Um. Political figures to sport heroes, heroes, yeah. um, all of that. So we couldn't only sport podcast, unless being you know as you can see of African American descent. <laughs> um, we couldn't go the whole month without you know what I'm saying doing a Black History and sports sure. type topic or a Black theme topic. You know what I'm saying? I should have background with the uh, flag. Should be playing. Should be like lift every voice playing in the background should, right now. Should should should. <laughs> Getting right into the episode, man. First of all, talk about, man, hey, man, I'm happy this year. Black coaches are getting their shot in football. Black football coaches are finally getting shots. You know what I'm saying? Um, Just saw what happened to pro. Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy down there in Atlanta. Raheem Morris. Um, that was it, right? It was the three? There's those three. Those three adding on with D'Amico Ryan. Yep. Mike Tomlin. Um we will go by um who else? That's it? The six? Mike. Uh, Mike. Hey, Mike, Raheem, uh, D'Amico, Antonio Pierce, um, Gerard. That's it. That's six people. Yeah, so wow. six. Hey man, we went from what last year when we had what Mike and D'Amico? Yeah. And now we got six black head coaches in a league that let's be honest, predominantly black athletes. Call it what it is, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's that's this huge that you know maybe maybe people are starting to like see that hey, you know what I'm saying? Black black coaches can lead men too. We always were the coordinator, the DB coach. The receiver coach, all of that. But we're finally um seeing a lot of representation at the black head coach level, not only in pro, but also in college on the big level. You yeah. got Sean Foster at UCLA. Bingo. You got um Sean Moore or I know his last name is Moore at Michigan. Yep. You got Sharon uh, Moore at Michigan. At Michigan. A black man is the head coach of Michigan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a lot. Um you got my man at Syracuse that just got hired. Fran. Fran that just got hired. Uh, you still have James Franklin at Penn State. You still have uh, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Dion is at Colorado. Right. Um, am I missing the power five one? I know Derek Mason got hired with Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Um, that's a group of five school. But you're starting to see on the, on the power five level. Yeah. Power four because the past one. Uh, <laughs> on the power four level, man, you're starting to see 
black head coaches get their shot. And the big one is the Michigan one. We, yeah. Like, I'm going to keep it a buck now. But, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to get my hate off first. Uh-oh. You know. Got to start with hate on Nah, Michigan nah. We starting no hate. Nah. Because, <laughs> like, I'm grateful for the Big Ten. And I'm grateful for the for the uh, Big Ten having three black head coaches. Mm. But when is we have had a coach in SEC. The black head coach Ooh. since, since Sylvester Croom. That below the Mason Dixon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that ain't even been talked about since the Sylvester Croom. I guess you could say, but it wasn't in the Big Ten that time. Kevin Sumlin was a coach of Texas A&M. Yeah. But in the SEC, it only had one black coach, two or three. They had Vanderbilt. Well, I don't count Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. They know who they are. <laughs> Not at those schools. Not at those schools. But, hey, I'll say this. Um, as far as the names you just mentioned, right? I'm just proud to see uh, those guys, especially guys that look like us, take positions at blue blood schools now. Your UCLA's, your uh, Notre Dame's, your Michigan's. Penn State. You know, Penn State. You know what I'm saying? Those at those schools is just, you know, it's, it's a very prideful moment because we used to seeing those faces at you know your smaller schools where they're you know underfunded underfunded excuse me limited resources yeah you know you kind of you know bump your head if you stand up you know not diminishing the program they built or diminishing their legacy at any at any stretch of the imagination but their that you know that projection for how their career will go you know just because they're at they're at that small school it's kind of limited you yes. know in a view you yes. know you can't really uh, determine, you know, the, the type of leadership or the type of program that they envision just because the resources ain't built out for them. So when you go to, you know, your Notre Dame's, your Penn State's, your um, Michigan's, ample scholars, yep. you know, ample resources, uh, <clears throat> your uh, alumni is, is built out for you. You know, it's built out for you and, you know, the, the guy coming after you. Yeah, the, the, the lane is literally paved for you to really see it all the way through with no limitations. So I'm just proud to see that. Uh, I'm proud to see the representation. Um, it, it is a very hats off to those guys. I know that that job didn't come without its just due. Yeah, you know they earned it. Earned it, and uh, very well know, deserved. Yeah, we talk about and you know with the names that we mentioned. We talk about guys that know ball. So. And then, like you said, like like it, it's starting that we're beating the stigma that we're just good motivators and recruiters. Yeah, like we can actually build programs. Right, that's what it, that's what head coaches do, especially on the college. They build programs. Right, and excuse me, but um, you're trusted with the keys to a like you said the the Michigan, the UCLA, mm-hmm. a Syracuse, a Notre Dame, crazy. a Penn State. Like you're trusting us with that, with that program. That's my dog back there. No matter. Um, walking for no reason. Gotta be excited, bro. Walking for no reason. Gotta be excited. Oh, dog. But anyway, um, it's just that they're showing that we can build organizations and programs. It takes a lot. Head coach is based like a CEO. So you got people under you. So you hold people accountable. You're building a, a framework, a culture, an organization. And we was not trusted as black men 
to be able to, we can motivate you. We can make you go run fast, hit hard. We can get you to come to our school. We'll go to your mom's house, your school, sit on your couch and get you to come to our school. But we wasn't good enough to lead um, the program. And I'm just starting to see, I'm glad to see, especially on the college level and on the pro level, that we're starting to get more and more representation on that, Absolutely. at that top tier. Absolutely. And you, you hit on it when you mentioned, uh, you know, us just kind of being staggered at that, uh, at that positional coach uh, level. Yeah. You know, being trusted with the linebackers or being trusted with the secondary or just being trusted, you know, here and there. Uh, most of the time, that's your most face-to-face that most these collegiate athletes get is with their positional coaches. And also, you know, at the pro level as well is that, you know, the head coach may see him here and there. You know, uh, you get your you get your, your meetings out the way, but... You're the coach's front, coach. You know what I'm saying? But as far as deploying your guys, those are the guys that you were that we're used to deploying, the guys that we're used to putting out there for the recruiting trip, that we're used to putting on the planes and we're used to, like Anthony said, to sit in your parents' house and, you know, come out there and come meet you was those same men that we're mentioning today that's taking that next step. So, um, you know, hats off to them, you know, and, and breaking that, uh, you know, continuing to put some more cracks in that glass soon. Um, Nothing but respect to them. And just because, just to double back again, just because they were positional coaches, even just, you know, the, the framework of football. We already knew you knew the game. We know you, we know you played the game. But now you just demonstrating that you understand the framework around it and how it's supposed to be deployed out. So Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, that's still a long way to go. I still think in the league, and, you know, people might not like it, but I think in the league that's predominantly black players, it should be more than – what six out of thirty-two is what? It's not a high enough percentage. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think it should be getting close to that fifty percent range. Not saying that you take, like I said, not saying that stripping jobs, right. but just if the representation is going to be equal, that's where we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and in college too, I think college needs to have more representation of, of not only black coaches, head coaches, but just the coordinators too. They're not a, not a lot of black offensive coordinators college football mm-hmm. but baby steps went from zero basically yeah. to getting a good number and um especially in the pros it don't look like it was just Rooney room interviews it was yeah. like they really was candidates and it's gonna and it's gonna happen too because uh as we just mentioned with those positional coaches they're starting to fill more spots now so where it was like your RBs, your linebackers, the secondary coaches, they're starting to fill roles such as like special teams. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Q, being trusted with QB coach uh, duties. You know what I'm saying? That again, really understanding the framework of what it takes to take that next step. We identify who usually gets the call. You know, it's just yeah. coordinators and things like that. Now that we identify what, uh, what role or what, you know, Marks we like to see on your resume. Now that we identified that, and we're starting to occupy those spaces, it's only soon come where we starting to see. You know, gonna make us feel old, but some of the players that we used to see, you know, on Sundays, start to you know occupy some of those spaces. Oh, yeah. And like you said, we are. It's already a predominantly you know African American sport, but um, so it's only natural that this new, the more this crop starts to roll over. Yeah, you know. We're going to be filling those spaces in a majority fashion. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, just a good moment. You know what I'm saying? And with it being Black History Month, I couldn't not, not talk about it. You know, because, like, this is the most Black coaches I've ever seen. Like, and I never thought in my lifetime, I'm going to keep a buck with y'all, and y'all can call it what you want to call it. I'm not trying to get canceled, but I never thought Michigan would be having a Black coach. You know, I'm stuck on Notre Dame. That's and that Notre Dame, like, you think about Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State. Mm. UCLA, I kind of, California, look, you know what I'm saying? Colorado, I get that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Syracuse, kind of get that. Yeah. But them three, not only thing is to crack that SEC. <laughs> Wallet, Wallet. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll see. Yeah, change don't come, all right? <laughs> we'll um, speaking of, you know, we keep going on our Black History Road season to football. Uh, coming up here soon, we got the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Oh, oh. <laughs> Um, hold on, I'll get you the actual dates for it. It is a March. It might be the next weekend. Yeah. Yep, it's next weekend. It's next weekend on the 24th. Yep. So, um, HBCU Legacy Bowl, if you don't know what the HBCU Legacy Bowl is, HBCU Legacy Bowl is a bowl game of HBCU athletes. Um, getting their chance to show their skills in front of scouts on TV in like an East-West Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl type setting. Yeah. Now, some people will be like, and they have like a little combine too. So they have like, you get the run, you know, they have practices, all the same stuff too, right? Some say, why, well, why do the HBCUs only get it? Well, me personally, I think some of your greatest teams and some of the NFL teams and some of the greatest players we've ever seen a couple of HBCUs. And it comes from a time where the players wasn't allowed to go to other schools. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Doug Williams came from there. You got countless of defensive players. Walter Payton. Walter, Walter, Jones. Walter Payton. And then, like, little known fact, right? Think about People don't think about HBCUs because some of the stuff is in the past. Who has, out of all the Mississippi schools, who has the most Hall of Famers? Tell me. Jackson State. And nobody would ever think that. They got Jackie Slater and Walter Payton and somebody else. They got the most Hall of Famers. So, you know, you know, Ooh. and you know Grambling, the powerhouse Grambling back in the day. Yeah. Um, the Tennessee State teams back in the day. Steve McNair, Alcorn, Jerry Rice came from Mississippi Your Valley. Family. Yep. Um, it's just a rich history that really came from us building our own. And and you know HBCUs are, are historically underfunded, and that underfunded stuff, underfunded, I'm sorry, things come from also not being able to build up, stay with the times and build up your program. If the yeah. state's not giving you your money, and then you can't. We all can't donate and keep up with everybody else. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because a, it's a whole other economical stuff and everything like that. Yeah. But I do like the HBCU Legacy Bowl was built to give HBCU players a chance to have a chance to play in front of scouts because all you need is a chance. Um, all you need is a chance to play in front of scouts. Um, I would uh, before we go. I was just um, I, I'm in the mindset of just you know just calling it for what it is. Um, there is a need and a strong need at that for events like this to be held. Um, Shrine Bowl, great. Senior Bowl, great. You know, uh, we may have one or two players that show up to those events, um, but having something for our own and by our own is definitely 
definitely huge just for us because um, let's just say uh, this is this isn't by no stretch of imagination a guarantee that these players are going to you know be drafted or any of those things. This isn't no guarantee, but this could give a player a shot at a tryout, going undrafted, and even let's just not say in the pros, but also for like say CFL. XFL, I think they're the USFL. And, and yeah. They got the, uh, People got tryouts, like what? Marquise Bell for the Cowboys. Okay. Damn you, Greg. You know, uh, your boy, corner uh, from um, South Carolina State. You know, you know Joshua he, Williams won two Super Bowl rings for Fayetteville State with the Chiefs. Yep. Um, his, his contributions uh, to be made is because there's production still at that level. There's high-quality football still being played at that level you know it's just the fact that it's under scouting and that and that's the truth of the matter is and it's just uh you know truth be told you know your regional scout may not make it out to the to the Fayetteville game Fayetteville State game but he'll make it to the Wake Forest game you know uh he may not make it out to um you know to see Norfolk and, and Hampton play but he'll make it out to you know the JNU or ODU game or you know what I'm saying? So That's the point. It, it's the fact that it's already an under-scouting uh, division. Division, yeah. You know, so why not we put our most prominent players, our most prominent talent, put it on the forefront? Yeah. And you may not know who you may see on Sunday. Yeah. All we doing is giving them a chance. And at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for. And then, like, another big thing. Like, I do tell people, we ain't never been to HBCU game. The only atmosphere that matches it is Power 5. We're still talking about twenty to 25,000 people, smaller scale, bands, passion, everything like that. You don't see that. I watch a lot of Mac games. So you, know, you, mm-hmm. might, you might have 10,000 sure, people. Yeah, exactly. But you get Norfolk and Hampton playing and Norfolk State, the whole 30,000, you might get 20,000, 30,000 people out there just inside the stadium. We're talking about walking around. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the, the atmosphere is magic. It's something that still needs to be celebrated and will be celebrated for here to come. Um, but I'm glad this bowl game is there so some of these players can have their chance to do their thing. Um, a couple of players I'm looking at, uh, of course, you got Davis Richards from Central. Um, he is probably the best dual threat quarterback that we got, the best chance guy quarterback that might get a shot. It may probably be CFF, CFL. Mm-hmm. Because you know, um, might not get a chance, but hey, he he's gonna um he was very accomplished at Central. One of uh everybody know he beat Deion's team the last year they was there, beat them. Um, two time MIAC player of the year. Um, really, really good uh, player. The player, some of the players I do think might have a shot at NFL though, is uh you got um Javarion Howard from Alcorn. Player. Good running back, good running back, very good running back, strong runner, um, very good running. Um, hit the holes good, good speed, but very more powerful running. You got Irv Mulligan from Jackson State, didn't hurt himself, was probably going to be the swag player of the year, close to if, and probably Jackson State would have had a better season. Was a really good player. The Darius Owens from Texas Southern is a dog. Now that he might make a team and play mm. and catch. Can run. Texas Southern wasn't that good, but he was so good he almost he got votes for Player of the Year, and his team only won like two games. Um, yeah. So like, but there is Owens. 
I think is a guy on the offensive side that really has a chance. And, you know, O-line is usually where you're going to see most of the HBCU guys come from and DB. Um, two Aggies, you know. Um, where did I get that name? Um, Big Legron, Lawrence Legron. We call him Big Legron, guard. I think up to him is gonna show, is gonna have to show if he got the athleticism in the pool, but far as strength, unmatched, unmatched. Mm. Big dude, I think he like 6'3", 325 or something like that. Big dude, big dude. Mm. Um, the other dude from NT is Tariq Stewart, O lineman. Think he about six 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 seven. Yeah. Uh, big dude. He if you if you watch film on, he's nasty. He's a nasty oh. player in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. He's nasty though, like. He has a mean streak to him. He wants to drive, drive this player straight to the ground. I think he has the best chance to make somebody team and be on the active roster all year because he's gonna pop out of practice. Give him a tryout. Some coaches gonna like he's gonna drive somebody to the ground, get nasty, and I think that he's gonna be, you know, that that pops. You know, sometimes the pop play in practice, training camp, that gets you there. Um, that's my guys on the office side. Wouldn't be wrong about talking about my man Evan Gregory, O-line from Norfolk State, big guard, ran behind him a lot this year. Um, I think he could probably get a maybe a CFL shot, maybe a maybe a camp tryout. Yeah. You know, that's always huh. a good thing. Um D lineman, you know. Have my man Patrick Godboat. Dog. He's a dog. I think he'll make somebody's team. Um, if he can show, I think he's not. A, if he goes to the right place, I think he's a three technique, three four DN. Okay, he's a big guy. I don't think he's a real outside linebacker, pass rusher. Mm-hmm. But that's where I really see him at, and um, that's really the guys that I'm looking at. There's a lot of guys. A lot of these guys we've seen. I know because I watch them like all year. But them were like the ones that really stood out to me. Um, what about you? Yeah, you hit on a few of the. D tackles that I like, but uh, there's one guy in particular that um, that I want to see what his performance is like come next week is uh, Jordan Toes out of uh, Morgan State. The DB, DB, uh, safety at that. You know, you know, I am with my DB guy. So uh, he was a LSU transfer. Uh, I believe he transferred over his uh, sophomore year, sophomore junior year. Played uh, played his last two seasons at Morgan State. And became quickly became one of the leaders for the defense. Yeah. All right. So um, you know, and not just only on the defensive side of the ball, he adds value uh, in special teams as well. Kick returner and punt return. That's how well. you make. Oh, and, I forgot one too. Yeah. yeah. That's but, how you make. So that's took the words right out of my mouth. That's that's exactly the type of value you gotta you know you gotta bring when you show up to these camps. So as far as outside of my guy Will Drew. Um, you know, I think Jordan uh, has a good shot of going UDFA. You know, uh, may go undrafted, but he'll definitely get that call soon after, if not at the, you know, seventh round. You know, so I just think he adds a lot of value. You know, good size. You know, six one. I think he's floating around between like 208, 212, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Rangy ball player. Yeah. You know, uh, I think he got close to like 50 tackles this past season, three picks, couple PBUs. He was, he was a clog for that defense. I think he won, um, what did he play in the Nah. He was on the, the finalists on the arenas Williams list, though, for the best mm-hmm. FCS uh, DB. Yeah. So, 
He just, you know, ball player. That's what that's what we looking for. It's just ball player. So, uh, so I'm not even gonna hate on him. Now. He, he can dog. play. He can play, and I expect him more of the same uh, come next week. So, we you know all we all we doing is just showing we showing technique, and we showing that we can we all playing the same game at the end of the day. Yeah, you know. So uh, I think that same prize is going to be on display next week. So pass out to the guys, all those guys, um, all those guys that's going out there and that's going to get a shot to demonstrate their skill. And I forgot one. We said special team, Tremaine Cook ah. from uh, the NT. Mm-hmm. He is going to make somebody's team. Because Tremaine was like, you kick it to me, I'm running it back. He was an All-American this year. Mm. Um, great punt return, I mean, kick return specialist, man. I mean, kick it to him, it's to the house, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Seen it with my own eyes when he did it against us. No, I lied. He didn't kick to him. I see him do it up. He did it against y'all. Because I, I remember that, uh, that Hampton game. Oh. That Hampton game, um, y'all was up. And Anthony just sparked. And y'all kicked to him. He ran that all the way back. He said, say less. You know what I'm saying? So he, he was, Tremaine, that, I think he got invited. To, I think he might have got invited to combine. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and other guys that didn't um, compete was, Oh man, Jigba! Oh, I think it was a Jigba from Howard. Big off the tackle. He's not gonna play in the Legacy Bowl, but he did get invited to the combine. Mm. I'm telling you, if he runs a five forty and show he can move, he's going to get drafted probably third, fourth round. Mm. He's six foot eight, three fifty five tackle. If he show he can move at that size. You can't teach that. And they're not going to be able to wait for so long for somebody's going to take them. You can't teach nobody to be that big and move that fast. Yeah. So that's another guy to watch out for. Um, but like you said, man, shouts out to everybody at HBCU Legacy Bowl. They yeah. got invited, man. You know, a lot of these guys I watched all year. You know, I, I watched HBCU football all the time. So a lot of these kids, um, these guys I watched all year, you know, you got um and this is another chance to showcase your skills, man. Get to put the helmet on. And this don't have to be the the end of the road. Like this is um, you know, off season is kind of like my favorite season when it comes to football. Just because, uh, like you said, whatever there's something that can just stem from this alone. You know, have have a good show at the Legacy Bowl. Who knows? Uh, maybe they have an extra slot for you at the combine. Yep. You know, now now you got a few extra people in the stands come your uh, your pro day. Or now you got to invite to a regional tryout. Yep. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't just stop here. And that's what we're you know what why this is such a a good moment for these guys because uh, those extra set of eyes. You know that that second take that uh, it takes from um, you know from a positional coach or from uh, someone in that front office to say, hey, there might be something here. You know, uh, that's all that's all you can ever ask for as an athlete. So. You know, hats off to him, man. Uh, I hope this turns into, you know, to more looks. Uh, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't tell you how many years this Legacy Bowl has been in play, but um, I know it's continually getting uh, partnership from guys in the league. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is involved. Uh, Justin Simmons is involved. Uh, So that support. You know, from uh, from your pro from your pro players, from your alumni, from you know the, all the schools that's involved in getting this together and making this uh, opportunity happen for those young guys. Hey, big man. big man. deal, man. It's huge. Big deal. Man, man. Big support, man. Bite us out. Bite us out. We love to uh, you know give our take. Man, you, know what I'm you know what I'm saying? So because uh, no, nah, that, that's right up right up our alley, man. Yeah, so definitely will be out there, IDK. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Definitely, definitely want to show love, up, man. man. 
Um, man, man, but mo- moving to the uh the next topic, going straight to the next topic, like basketball, and this is the CIAA basketball tournament. A lot of y'all know it's a party. A lot of people know it. it's a huge party. It's in Baltimore. They used to be freak Yeah, it's, it's huge. <laughs> it's a huge party. But actually, it's a basketball tournament. A lot of people don't know the history. That's why it's pretty going into March Madness. Black history, CIAA is 11 days away. I think it's like first of March, CIAA. Mm-hmm. It's a Division II basketball tournament that um, is for, uh, it's, it's basically like the HBCU's conference, one HBCU conference, Division II. Um, CIAA originated back in 1912, one of the first ever conference tournaments. A lot of people won't tell you that. A lot of people talk about the ACC, this, that, that. ACC followed this model. Mm. This is the oldest conference tournament in, um, like, in in all of American college sports. Mm. It's a big tournament. And then, like, you got schools that came from this tournament. You know what I'm saying? They came from this conference that are now in Division One. So I like your aunties, your Norfolk State, your Howards. Um, you got your, uh, not South Carolina State, Central, Ooh. you know. All these schools came from the CIAA before they came to the MEAC and came to Division One. The CIAA is one of the oldest running tournaments. Still gets a big crowd. It used to be in Charlotte. They moved it to Baltimore. But it's still there with the robberies. Because you got like a lot of schools that are not that far away. Like Shaw, uh, North Carolina. You got uh, Livingston. Elizabeth City. Elizabeth City. Winston State. Uh, Virginia State. Yep. Virginia, um, Union. Virginia Union, Johnson C. Smith. Um, it's the same. You already said got Bluefield State. You got a lot of schools in this in the area on the East Coast, Bowie State, mm-hmm. all okay. on the East Coast that are part of this tournament. It's a big tournament. Big it has big sponsorships, big everything. People take off work to go to this tournament. And it got so big that people some people forgot it's a basketball tournament too. Damn. It's huge. Um, but the CIAA, man, uh, the oldest running basketball tournament. Schools have won the CIAA and won that championship. People forget that Ben Wallace came uh, from Virginia Union. Union won, has won two national championships. I think uh, I think Shaw has won one, or Shaw women have won a national championship. Um, and it's just a representation of, like, black HBCU Basketball, that's on the East Coast. Basketball on the East Coast for HBCUs is still big. You think about the places I named Bowie, uh, the Maryland, DMV, North Carolina area. You know, these are all schools that are um, very tied in to like basketball is big on their end. You know what I'm saying? So, CIAA tournament, man, ain't much more I can say. If you haven't been, look it up. Never heard about it. Look it up. Guarantee you, even if you don't go to the basketball games, we'll have a great time. But I would be remiss without talking about Black History and Sports and not talking about that conference tournament. Absolutely, man. So um, it, it's it's time and time again we we mention these events now. You know, of course, not for our own benefit, and not just because we are alum from two uh, two uh, story uh, HBCUs. But because time and time again we uh, we have these events, these these tournaments, whether it's MEAC, CIAA, the Legacy Bowl, all these showcases 
that draws a crowd, you know, that draws uh, uh, a vibrant, a vibrant culture to these cities, and just again stimulate the economy for you know weekend after weekend, uh, venue after venue. We packing it out. We there's there's side events that happen off of these things. So um, once again, shout out to the alumni for each school, the, the current students, the graduates, uh, post-grads, you know, all the way top of the list to all the way to the bottom uh, for putting on these showcases and continuing that, that story tradition. You know, as, as I had mentioned, one of the, the longest uh, running uh, tournaments in, in all the college sports. You know what I'm saying? So just to have that, running for just this long is again true testament to hbcu sports man it ain't going nowhere we gonna show up and pack out another city man you know yeah. so it's like uh, and it's like yeah, it has to be told because some people will think the acc some people do i saying the acc is the old time the acc stole it mm. the idea from the ciaa because mm -hmm. the offices are both in north carolina so you know not no no doubt in ac ac does a great tournament Mm -hmm. But the CIAA for a Division Two tournament to still get this much pub is like shows the power of the culture. Yeah, you know, shows the power of the culture. Like, um, that's just that's big time, you know. Oh. And like again, well deserved. Well deserved again, if you're listening for the CIAA, invite your boys. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be there. I I'll be there. It's in Baltimore. It ain't that far away. It's a drive up the street. You know what I'm saying? Holler at us. Holler at us, man. Holler at us. Um, wrapping up the show wouldn't be without having you know an individual moment. So I'm gonna let you go first, Kenny. We're gonna talk about you know in all the sports. Like I said mm -hmm. in the beginning, we have sports heroes from you got Usain Bolt. You got uh, you got a bunch from track, a bunch from football. Like we're everywhere in sports. Tiger, Serena, um, Jackie Robinson. Oh, come on, man. Um, we got so many. Michael Jordan. Jordan <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Kobe, Ali, Ali, Frazier. You know, far as on the sports, um, theater. Yeah. Call, the sports theater. Yeah. That, that's what it is. It's art. Um, the sports theater, black players and athletes have been a pivotal part mm -hmm. of sports. And we'll be wrong if we didn't talk about them during Black History Month. Even though we talk about them, I will talk about them all the time. Yeah. But right now, let's let's I think we should highlight some people that people might not know, they might do know, yeah. or they may maybe didn't know this much about. So somebody that you think you know yeah. you want to highlight yeah for sure so you know we just coming off a uh, super bowl weekend you know uh patty just coming off his uh third chip you know he's got his third ring uh you know easily build you know just keeps piling on to that hall of fame career that he's built on that hall of fame resume i should say um everybody has some kind of you know, handpicked as, you know, being one of the most champion, you know, QBs, you know, kind of chasing down that uh, Tom Brady legacy. You know, rightfully so. They play the same position. 
He's, you know, the, the heir apparent to being the face of the league, yada, 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 whatever. But uh, I want to talk about a, a hidden figure, if you will. So uh, the guy I chose uh, for this segment is, you know, a gentleman by the name of Charles Haley. Uh, so y'all, again, just mentioned Tom Brady. I think he has, what, six? Oh, six. Six championship rings. Well, Mr. Haley has five. Five. He won uh, two with the Niners and three with the Cowboys. So uh, Mr. Haley was a, uh, a edge rusher, I believe, between uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, very storied career. Is a two-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler. Uh, was accepted into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. Um, just you know, just a stout player, but also can be remi- uh, cannot be forget to mention that he was the first, one of the first to uh, to acquire so many rings and to be you know a star player, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. a very pivotal player uh, on both defenses, the Niners and the Cowboys. Yeah. So I just want to use this segment to shine light on him as being that. You know, getting the flowers that you are also a champion player in history too, not just one of as you know a sports hero, but also as you know a black hero for you know many kids such as uh, myself. You know that model they you know they proud so they love for the game for. So, hats off to him, Mr. Haley, and uh, for also being a Virginia sports uh, Virginia high school um, uh, hero or you know. As being a legacy player, hats off to you, man. Um, and definitely appreciate your contribution. That's a good one. Charles Haley. Charles Haley. What part of the name he from? Charles Haley. I believe he is. Is he from around here? Is he from Whitewater? Is he a Williamsburg guy? No, Lawrence Taylor is a Williamsburg guy. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Charles Haley is from. Gladys, Gladys, Virginia. Point that out on the map. Point it out. <laughs> Show where Gladys, Virginia is. <laughs> I don't know where that is. It's in Campbell County. You know that? I don't know where that is. <laughs> it says three hours away from us. <laughs> man, you got me curious. What is Either this? way, man. Shout out to Oh, it's right outside of Lynchburg. Oh, yeah, there in the hills. Yeah, he out there in the boonies. <laughs> Shout out to listeners from Lynchburg. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's way out there. Yeah, been out there once. Way out there. <laughs> Went out there once. Ain't nothing out there. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so, you know, we'll take a little quick commercial break. Got to fix my camera. And we're back, you know, technical difficulties. Had to fix my camera. So, Charles Haley. Hey, man. Dog. Defensive end, right? Russia, you know man. what I'm saying? Won five Super Bowl rings. Big time, big time. I'm gonna take it back, way back, back from my, time. back from my. You know, now, people that know me, I am a baseball. I was a baseball player, and I'm real big in baseball history. You know what I'm saying? So I took my, I did mine on Ru, Andrew Rube Foster. A lot of y'all do not know who that was because he was born in 1879, died in 1930. Good year. You know what I'm saying? Um, from Texas. But Rube was basically the godfather of Negro League. Basically, was the executive of the Negro Leagues and basically created, was helped with a big hand in creating the Negro Leagues. Mm. Um, played for a lot of teams. 
like the Philadelphia Giants before and he was like a, a pitcher player, was a slugger, heard he run a tight ship. Like he said, if you couldn't butt the ball down the third place line, you would find two dollars. And back then, two dollars? Two dollars? Two dollars? Was a lot, man. But but and he did all this at a um at a young age, like you know what I'm saying? Um was basically managed the team by the age of twenty one. Mm-hmm. Was it owned the team by the age of like twenty six? Um, was you know basically the founder of why you have the Jackie Robinsons and all these players that came from Negro Leagues. That's that's Rube started Negro Leagues. Also, Rube is a famous pitcher because Rube had a great fastball, but he also threw and invented the screwball. Nobody else threw the screwball. Before him, he invented the screwball. Screwball is like a fastball that cuts it out. I didn't get to dismiss it. That was interesting. Yeah, but the screwball is like a fastball that comes at you and cuts to the outside, <laughs> unlike a slider. Yeah, a slider kind of slides. Screwballs look different ways. You have to show and look up screwballs. You'll see what I'm talking about. But what a lot of people don't know that Maddie, I forgot his name. I know his first name was Maddie. He's a Hall of Famer, a white guy. The Giants brought Rube in. And back in those days, to teach him how to throw the screwball. That's how much of a figure that Rube was, man. Rube, Rube Foster was, he ran a tight ship. Um, they said he, his teams was always, um, he would bunt and steal a lot because he said baseball should be uh, a fun, energetic sport. But, you know, a lot of people, we don't get a lot to talk about a lot of our Negro League players. Baseball has made it more of a certain effort to talk about it now mm. on like their video games and when they talk about it and everything like that. Because um, he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in, I want to say, 1981. Mm-hmm. Make sure, make sure that's right. Um, while I'm looking at his manager record, this is in baseball, was 336 and 195. Love me baseball games they play. It's a great record in baseball. 1981, he was in the, um, inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, and basically, like, I couldn't, I wasn't going to talk about, like, Jackie Robinson or somebody like that, but I can't talk about them with actually, without actually talking about the person that started the league. You know what I'm saying? It was other people involved, but he was the executive of the league, and he ran it um, for many years, got it big. You know, some of the greatest players played with him. Um, and you know, and it's just when you see back then what some people were able to accomplish at young ages for and, and, and being black and creating the Negro Leagues and being a player and teaching white men how to pitch, how to be a coach to white men. So it's just like they didn't even share water fountains back then, you know what I'm saying? So, um, that's that's my highlight, my notable figure. You know, I want to take that, it right. back. Can't beat that. I had to take it back to um, Big Rube. Um, and I, I, I encourage everybody. It's a Negro League uh, museum. I mean, um, Hall of Fame and um, museum that highlights that. I think everybody should learn the history of the Negro Leagues because that was really the biggest successful league just for us. Football didn't really have one. Yeah. Basketball had the ABA, but that was mixed in with white guys too. The Negro Leagues was just for us, and you're talking about big names came out of there, and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Big Rube. So that's my person. 
took it way back. Can't even find a picture of him. It's all black and white here. Hurry was six foot four. Yeah. That's huge back then. Yeah. You know what I appreciate about this segment, though, is because, um, you know, again, we, we went at the top of this segment. We kind of went through, like, a list of, of names that we hear, you know, commonly. Your Jordans, Kobe's, LeBron's, Ali's, you know, uh, Emmett Smith, that, you know, Walter Payton, all these heroes. But it's, I love the fact we, you know, get to shine a light on the headed figures or the guys, you know, taught the damn screwball. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, it's just so many just throughout the years that, uh, you know, names kind of, I don't want to say get swept away, but they just get, you know, they get, they get lost in history. So I'm glad we were able to, you know, to do this, man. And uh, we'll be back next week. You know what I'm Show some more love. Show some more love. You know, it's black history all the time over here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But nah, I mean, good episode, man. Usually not. As long as our other episodes are, but hey, I don't think y'all, um, I don't think y'all mind, you know, for, you know, us having a little shorter episodes because it was a good episode. I think it was the most impactful episode we had. Yeah, now we got deep this one. Yeah, <laughs> deep this one you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ain't no real funny stuff. We got deep. You know what I'm saying? But don't forget, man, every Sunday, catch us anywhere you get your podcast at. Every Monday, catch us on YouTube at 5 p.m. You catch it. Like. Subscribe and, and I think comment. You if comment. you could, you comment. Thank you. It doesn't hurt anybody. So you know what I'm saying. Don't forget follow me at Anthony E Great on Instagram. Follow my man Kenny at Finesse in the Gram. Sure. Follow both of us on IDK Sports Pod 23 on all social media platforms so you can get content and updates. I'm telling you, YouTube wasn't the only thing. We got some more updates. We might go live. Maybe I don't know. It might happen. It might happen. But, you know, you got the only way you can know is hitting the damn button. So you keep saying this week in and week out. So you get every piece of content, man. Every piece of content. So like like I always say, until next time, I'll holler.